Okay, Marcus, I'm going to do it in front of you. Three, two, one. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. No music today, but we got Marcus. Marcus, how are you? What's up? Happy to be a part of the, the legendary uh, Strong Opinion Sports intro, man. That's an honor. Yeah, man, you're the franchise guy. Well, we got, it's episode 409, I should say that. No music. That's okay with me. I'm happy. Uh, and I, I want to start, first of all, how are you? Welcome in. It, football's crazy right now. We're busy. It's, we're tired. We're doing our best. I know. I, I'm really excited to actually talk to someone about all this madness because <laughs> I think it's slowly driving me insane. I had like a five-day break visiting family last weekend, and then it was right back into the madness after Sunday. It's like, okay, everything's back to not being normal. So <laughs> need someone else to show me how they're interpreting all this. Because I don't know, I don't even know right now. Do you ever do you ever feel like a mad scientist? Like I feel like I I talk to myself all day, and I'm like I need I need another human to like bounce off of. Sometimes like it's good to like talk to another human about it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, week nine was crazy, and I don't like I don't have any question here. I just like I I could not believe the Broncos beat the Cowboys, the Jaguars beat the Bills. Uh, there's a bunch of other like I can't even I, I the Browns destroyed uh the Bengals uh the Titans beat the Rams soundly like there are a lot of wins I'm like I did not expect that or see that coming is that a you thought watching week nine it was just a crazy chaotic week for you too yeah 100 percent. you got Raiders losing to the Giants too um I mean the the Cowboys one was the one where it was like that is not the same team that has played for the first I guess they had a bye so seven weeks it's like, where does that come from? And I, it is a reminder that I think, and the Rams had this too. We've seen other teams where like teams just lay stinkers and everyone wants to overreact to it. But I think you got to just kind of sit back and be like, all right, let's just kind of uh, bury the film on that one and wait and see if that was an, an anomaly or if that's going to become a trend. And I think that's really the best way to look at some of those crazy outcomes. But it is frustrating when you come out and make predictions and then it's like oh i'm an idiot great <laughs> what's what's weird is they all happen at once i mean like i, I literally said on my last uh, whatever like whenever i talked last week i said that look when the only thing that matters now to take a team out of contention for the super bowl or the playoffs is if someone gets injured every team's gonna lose a weird game mm -hmm. here and there and that happens but i didn't expect it all to happen at once like why why did they all come down crashing week nine i don't really know why that happened was i just don't get it i'm like i don't I don't know why that happened this way. I think it's like when you're, you ever play roulette at the casino or anything, and you see like eight straight <laughs> of the same color in a row. It's just like a weird run of bad luck where it all just stacked on top of each other. I don't know. That's my interpretation of that. We're also at the mid part of the year where, I mean, it's teams are getting ready for their bye week, and they want the bye week to come. Although, like, weren't the Cowboys coming off a bye? So that makes no sense, right? Like, I don't... Right. Yeah, yeah. they were coming off a bye, and... I don't know. I kind of have a theory myself that teams actually are worse coming off a of bye more often than not. Mm. Um, I think it's. I think there is an element of being in a in a groove and coming out with that kind of muscle memory and even just like I don't know if I fully believe in momentum, but I do think when you're on a roll and you go on a bye week like the Cowboys were, it can it can definitely take you off of your of your rhythm a little bit. I, I think there there could be some of that, especially in the Cowboys case. Well, some teams need a bye week. They're losing. They just need a break to recalibrate. And some teams are winning, and they're like, this This is, could not come at a worse time. We're winning. Things are going well. We don't need it right now. And I think you're kind of, there is something to that where, 
there's always that debate at the end of the year when like do you rest your starters at the end like the last game of the year going into the playoffs or do you play them to keep the momentum going and risk injuries I know but uh, I just couldn't believe 30 to nothing at, at, at six minutes off in the fourth quarter the Broncos are beating the Cowboys I'm like I thought they, they're the one team that I thought as a Super Bowl contender that I'm like what like the bill I, I, I guess the bills is confusing too I don't really know the bills like the Rams didn't show up it, it is I just I feel like I'm regurgitating what we said but it, I just I don't know. I, I, that's not really all I have to say. It's just I, I don't get what happened or why. I haven't watched the uh, Bills-Jaguars game. Have you watched that at all? I did. I got through it last night. That was a really weird game. It felt like the Bills were moving the ball like whenever they wanted to, but they just kept either getting turnovers or penalties that kind of killed drives. So mm. like looking back on that, like how did they only have six points? It, it, it was kind of one of those games where they just weren't executing the end of drives. So I think they'll be fine. I, I'm definitely worried about some of the stuff Josh Allen is doing. I think he's now leading the NFL in turnover-worthy plays. Uh, so those are – they clearly came back to bite him this week. I don't know. I mean, when he when he went against the games uh, – in the games against, like, the Chiefs, for example, where he needed to come out and play, like, good polished football, he really did. He took care of the football. And uh, <laughs> the way I said it on the power rings this week is he looked like – an NFL quarterback doing NFL quarterback things. But in some of these other games, like the Dolphins and now against the Jags, it does seem like there's a little bit of like taking the foot off the pedal a little bit, like acting like he can get away with stuff that maybe he wouldn't in a, in a more important game. That's all theoretical, but it, it adds up a little bit. So I am interested to see if like when the bills do eventually have another big game which I think is a while because their schedule is a total joke uh if if he goes back to playing clean football yeah what I saw I flipped through the game they just could not finish a drive in the second half I mean they had so many opportunities to score in that game and they didn't I'm like well I and I think you're I I said that too like is there are they just like not taking this game seriously like and I get why they would it's the Jaguars they're awful they've had problems They're, they're like one in six I believe going into that game I get why you would take your foot off the gas, but is that that's really what it felt like to me was they just didn't seem to take it seriously or so, something like that. Because you're right, he's played much better against better teams, and it seems like he's been more prepared way more in other games. Yeah, I yeah, I kind of buy it. We'll we'll see. Like what? I don't even know when their next big game is. I, I think they play. Oh boy, I I don't know. They play the Patriots coming up at some point soon. Yep, that'll be a test, and that'll be. I know that they're both. You know, Patriots are five and four. The Bills are five and three. That battle for their division is really, really interesting to me. And I, I wonder if the Patriots can insert themselves in and really like challenge the Bills. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I've, like, I'm trying to keep my eye on Twitter a little bit because I know Odell is potentially... Or no, he wasn't in their final three. Never mind. Uh, I guess it's down to Chiefs, Packers, and Saints now, according to the last report I saw. But that, that was something I was thinking about is that could open up that offense a little bit. Yeah. But I've been impressed by what, what the Patriots are doing lately. Just Belichick kind of reemerging as that defensive guru, getting guys like Miles Bryant, who he's a Washington guy, so you probably you probably like him, right? I wish I was like really uh, loyal to the Northwest. I'm not at all. Like I, in fact, I hate Oregon, the University of Oregon. Like I, I don't like them because I've heard for so many years they've been overhyped, and I'm like, they're not the SEC. I'm so tired of like, I just can't, I can't get on board. I'm, I'm over the Oregon thing. And I get hate from the Northwest, like, you're from there, what the heck? And I'm like, I don't, I just don't, I, the SEC's better than the Pac-12, sorry, it is. 
Hey, I grew up a Packers fan in Minnesota, so I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's. You mentioned it, and I was going to save it for later, but like, I think as the episode goes on, we will be refreshing Twitter or whatever. And I think, especially before we leave, don't let me forget to like check: Did Odell get sent anywhere? Because that'd be, that'll be interesting. But you're a Packers fan, and the rumors are Odell wants to go to the Green Bay Packers. How do you feel about that? Would you like that? Would you hate that? Does that feel like a good move to you? Yeah, I'm I'm all about it. Uh, there's obviously an interesting kind of character clash there with Rodgers and Odell and seeing how that kind of played out with Odell and Baker and revisiting it for a second year. Like, I was definitely on the side of, like, this this whole idea that Baker and Odell just can't play together. I was always saying, that's stupid. They'll figure it out. But they're clearly, I think, at this point, it's safe to say there was some kind of chemistry issue going on with between quarterback and receiver and people have always said Odell's got that diva mentality so you pair him with a potential diva quarterback or at least a loud quarterback how does that well, here's here's what I would say like I think Odell would submit to Aaron though like Aaron's earned the respect and, and yes. the right to just have Odell go yes sir I, th- I don't think very many quarterbacks in the NFL could do that where Odell would just be like yep I'll do whatever you say and also, Odell wants to be there, it sounds like. And I think part of the problem, like, I talked to, um, I, sh- I shouldn't say this too much. I made a video about Jamal Adams, about how Jamal Adams didn't want to be in New York and he was sabotaging what was going on. And Jamal Adams reached out to me and said, yeah, you're right. I didn't want to be in New York and I did everything I possibly could to get out of New York. Odell seemed to not want to be in Cleveland and did everything he could to get out of there. So maybe his attitude will shift a lot if he wants to be like all that matters is does Odell want to be there? Is he bought in or not? And with Green Bay, it seems like it might be. Yeah. So there are questions about his personality, but yeah, I, I think as long as that what you said is true, and I think that's a really good point. You can't drop a better piece to plug into that Packers offense. I mean, that is what they've missed, and you, you can just throw on the tape from last week with the Jordan Love game, like none of those guys were separating outside of Adams. That's why they kept going to Adams, because for one, that's all they trust, but he was actually the only guy that could stack a, a corner on the outside. So now you, you obviously plug Rodgers back in there, but another receiver that's a deep threat that has unbelievable run-after catch ability, which all of these kind of Shanahan schemes that run all these crossing routes really value that. And, I mean, you're looking at a team that could have a top three offense and a top three defense heading into the playoffs if everything gets healthy. And that is extremely exciting for Packers fans. Um, That said, I have a tweet that's been kind of recycled here from when they almost got Stephon Gilmore. And I was like, well, the Packers almost traded for Khalil Mack. They almost signed Allen Robinson. They almost traded for Stephon Gilmore. I was like, at some point, this front office has to, you know, figure it out and get something done. And the the Packers fan in me says, it's not going to happen. He'll sign with the Saints or the Chiefs, and it's they're going to fall short, just as I think that front office tends to do more often than not. So definitely not getting my hopes up too much there. But I think as long as the chemistry side of things comes together, it would be an unbelievable pairing. It's Madden. It really, like, it's it's a Madden offense with 
Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham Jr. Are like, are you kidding me? I, I just wonder how much money he's asking for. That That's going to really determine where he goes, I think. The Packers, I think, are, aren't going to be able to give him a massive contract. Maybe signs a, a smaller contract for one year and says, I want to win and prove myself. That's what I, if I'm Odell, I'm not worried about money right now. I'm trying to show that I can play. And where better to do that? Sorry, the Saints are not a good spot to show you can be a top receiver in the NFL. They might get, and I don't, they don't have money to spend either. So I think you go to the Packers and maybe sign a one-year deal that's small just to say, I'm going to earn a massive contract for next year and maybe win a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't know what he's thinking, but I'm, money plays a huge factor, right? Right. It's got to. Uh, I mean, it's a long-term investment thing. I mean, his stock is down. No one claimed him because they didn't want to pay him $7 million. And, you know, it's not like the three teams that he's reportedly down to, assuming that's true, none of those teams can give him a lot of money. I mean, the Saints, I mean, let's be honest, the salary cap doesn't exist for New Orleans anyway, but in theory, they're still backed up against trying to pay their all-pro left tackle, Teron Armstead, who's an upcoming free agent. In theory, they're not supposed to have any cap space, but it doesn't exist down there. So that might be a different conversation. Um, But the Kansas City Chiefs are right there with the Packers as far as just you know, cap hell for the upcoming season. So it's not like either of those teams are giving them a lot of money now. I think for Odell, you go somewhere where you're going to hit free agency and, you know, cash out and show at 29 years old, you can still play. One last little interesting thing about this um, is Devonte Adams is also an impending free agent. So what if this for the Packers is actually an option to gain leverage against Devontae Adams as well. And in a world where Rodgers leaves, that could be a transition that works where you actually keep Odell for cheaper, roll into love, and then you let Adams and Rodgers go. It gives them some more flexibility for the future as well. Not that I would do that, but... The Packers have to make them... Like, we've been waiting. You, you said, like forever waiting and waiting and waiting and this might be their last shot Aaron might leave Devontae Adams might leave Odell might sign a one-year contract like this might be your last shot for a while to make a long Super Bowl run and I mean if he I think New Orleans makes sense because he wants to go home and he maybe wants to play with Patrick Mahomes I I I don't Kansas City doesn't really make sense I get it kind of but not really uh like that feels like a take that you say last year like I'll go to Kansas City last year I don't know why you'd go this year the Packers feel like a good fit for Odell for him to prove himself. The fear is if the Packers don't get him, what if the Rams get in the conversation and say, if you're going to take low money for one year, we'll pay you. We'll pay you. Screw it. We're going all in. And my fear is that the Packers lose out to another team is willing to take a risk if the Packers won't. And then the Packers fall short of a Super Bowl again. They've lost an NFC title game two years in a row. Like, it, it's idiotic for them not to make this move, right? If Odell really wants to be there and it's like, I'll make anything work, they have to do it. Yep. Well, if you notice, I don't have a lot of emotion on my face because that's what I've been saying for about five years is the Packers just don't do that stuff. And it's 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 just exhausting. But uh, that's life as a Packers fan. You just can't you can't expect that organization to, you know, put their foot down and, and make something happen. So it's frustrating. I hope it happens. It doesn't even have to change schemes either. It's the same uh, same kind of offense. Cleveland ran. So let me ask you, and this was not planned at all. I was a Seattle Mariners fan as a child. I love the Mariners. And they made move after move after move that I hated. They traded away uh, they traded away Adam Jones or Eric Bedard. 
They got rid of Raul Abanez, was an all-star in Philly. They got rid of Adrian Beltre, was great in Texas. And I, my 11-year-old brain exploded. I said, I can't, I can't be a fan of this anymore. I don't support the organization because the moves they're making too many times are, are not ones I agree with. And I said, I'm, I'm a freelance fan. I don't, have a, I don't have a favorite team at all in the sports world. It's very freeing. It's wonderful. Why are you a Packers fan if you like <laughs> repeatedly are like, I don't like the moves they're making. I, I don't really get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely I've detached myself to a degree. Um, I don't know. A big part of it's like my dad is is still a big Packers fan, and we have we've had a tradition for ten years now of going to Packers Bears every year in Chicago. My sister lives in Chicago, so I still have that emotional connection. Um, at least once a year, going down there, chirping at Bears fans and and having fun with that. Uh, but yeah, from Looking at the team, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and a lot of Packers fans think I'm a, a bad fan because I'm incredibly critical of the front office. But at the same time, they do little stuff to, to wrap you back in. Like, they they do hit on superstars through the draft. They do have Aaron Rodgers. They do have a lot of wins and um, excitement. Well, maybe it's this simple, right? When, when they lose, you're sad. And when they win, you're happy. And, and I, maybe you can't control that. That Actually, I don't know why that never made sense to me until this moment. But you may not agree with any moves they make. But when they win, you're like, hell yeah. And when they lose, you're, you're depressed and upset. Is that accurate? I, I would push back on that a little bit, though, because I guess depends on your definition of winning. Like, they've been winning, and I've still been mad because <laughs> they're not winning a Super Bowl, yeah. which they should be doing when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. When they beat the Cardinals, though, you were happy, right? Yeah. And that's just like a guttural reaction. That's not a controlled response, right? Right. So right. That's why you're a fan. Uh, to me, that like, I never, for some reason, my brain just can't compute. It's like, I just don't get it. I, it's so hard for me. But I get it now. I'm like, oh, because I can never <laughs> understand like these normal human emotions. I don't know. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Jordan Love? Because he had his first ever start against Kansas City. And I, I, look, I don't know what other... I don't know what you said. I don't know what other podcasters or ESPN or whatever said. I know what my comments said, which were like, he can't play quarterback. He's terrible. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't, I think people were way too hard on him. What was your reaction as a Packers fan watching? He went like 19 for 34 with a hundred and something yards, one touchdown, one pick. How did you feel watching the Packers chiefs this weekend, especially about Jordan Love? So I really went into it knowing that there was going to be a side of me that was giving him every every possible benefit of the doubt, to be completely honest, because I'm, I don't just have the fact that um, the Packers side of it, but Jordan Love was actually my, my QB two in, in the 2020 draft. I was a huge fan of his game. So I was just excited to see that start to reveal itself a little bit. And I didn't have like crazy expectations. I think any quarterback that hasn't really gotten a chance to play with the, the one, the first team and, um, you know, that that's not his team, right? Like, coming in, he is the backup quarterback. He's going to have to integrate himself into the way the team has is, is constructed themselves for that season. It would apply to any backup. So I didn't think he was going to come out and just ball out. I did think he would look a little better than he did. Um, but, yeah, he was getting just shredded, like, all over the place on the broadcast. Troy Aikman, you would think Jordan Love, like, did something to his mom or something because he was just – 
just demolishing the guy. I don't know if he expected him to come out and play like Aaron Rodgers or what, but that I thought was ridiculous. So the worst one was Joe Buck. I'm like, you don't know anything. Shut up. Like, well, what are you talking about, Joe Buck? How has he been horrible? He's got like he's like eight for eleven right now. What are you talking? I mean, I just my mind was blowing up watching Joe Buck criticize him. Like, you don't know anything, dude. Yeah. Shut up. So I, I went to Twitter. And I was like, why is Aikman just like demolishing love right now? And then Twitter was like. Jamarcus Russell would look better at quarterback right now. I'm like, all right, hold on. Like, what is going on here? I I know he wasn't very liked coming out in the draft, so I don't know if that's, like, people rushing to confirm their their draft takes or what. But I actually did a a 30-minute film room on it because I wanted to just take a step back and look at what was actually happening here. And let's be honest, he was not good. Like, he didn't come out and win the game or look great. Like, and I never said that, but... He wasn't, I wouldn't even describe him as bad either. I think he was very average in that game, which is f- totally fine for a backup quarterback. Like I said, like he's not out there practicing with this guys, these guys. The chemistry was off all over the place, uh, not just on back shoulders with Devontae Adams. There's a couple of plays that um, there are those little option routes on those stick concepts where the quarterback and the receiver have to decide if they're going to sit down or run the out route against his own coverage. And he was 0 for 2 on those. One time he threw the the sit-down route and the receiver broke out, and the other time they did the opposite. So clearly the chemistry was just all off, and that's just rookie quarterback stuff. I I don't think that's anything against love. And then you look at the fact that they blitzed the absolute crap out of him. Their right guard, who's a rookie fourth-round pick, Royce Newman, had one of the more atrocious starts you'll ever see uh, just – abandoning constant pressure to love he did not have time and once you load up the all 22 and if you want to check out the film room you can there's very minimal opportunities with him actually throwing to open receivers when he is they're either high level reads or he's under pressure so it was just the way i described it was what he wasn't he wasn't good he wasn't bad but it was an incredibly high difficulty outing for him being his first start on the road and then if you just watch the tape like it was it wasn't like he wasn't sitting there behind you know Tampa Bay Bucks or anything where he's got great protection and these receivers screaming open and he can just sit in the pocket and you know throw 10 yard slants all game that was not the game it was complete different uh game script for him so I I couldn't believe the just rush to just attack him (laughs) Completely unfair to him. Well, he's a backup quarterback. He looked like a backup. Yeah. Well, I think that may, I don't. If Aaron plays, I, they probably win, but it's still probably ugly. Like he he had to really have heavily relied on connecting with Devontae Adams against man-to-man coverage, and it, that's the only way they win that game uh, against that defense. And there was a play that killed me. I, I'm sure you saw it where they ran the uh, the slant, the slot fade, the interception, the slant kind of rub concept, and he throws. I think he predetermined the fade. And I'm, the slant's wide open. It gets a blitz. I'm like, I'm like, ah, what are you doing? Oh, that wasn't the interception. Yeah, that was the one to the right side. The interception was the left. Uh, I think he was throwing to Randall Cobb to the end zone. He got knocked down. Oh, this was the play right before the touchdown. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I remember that play. He he did have a free, a linebacker coming in free. It was definitely predetermined. Uh, I actually criticized the route on Alan Lazard on that one because it, it was a – but he doesn't know that the blitzer is going to hit him in like less than a two second window. So that that was the real criticism of Jordan Love was he clearly had no idea what he was doing against the blitz. Uh, but that's the same to 
Jordan uh, to Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Ju- um, you load up any of those rookies in their first starts, like that's what the NFL is doing right now. Is young quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts. Like teams are just we're gonna fire zero blitzes at you until you can find the open man quickly, and uh, he couldn't. So he's got to learn how to do that. But that's no different than any other young quarterback. So I thought it was good film for him to see because he'll he'll see. Oh my gosh, I got to get here. Like it, he needs that. That's what happened. Like it's kind of sad he can't play next week too to like stack performances and go. Man, I'll take what I learned last week and get better at it. Hit some more of those shots underneath and take some stuff vertically and get better chemistry with Devontae Adams. By the way, Devontae Adams didn't play until or didn't practice until Friday. So like he hasn't had any time to build chemistry with Devontae Adams. Like I. I, it was and it was very clear. Yep, and Adams was, and even if you go back to when Love was getting first team reps in the spring, when Rodgers was was holding out, Adams was holding out with Rodgers for a large portion of that. So he he literally has barely ever played with Devonte Adams, in in real first team reps. So yeah, I, I just think it's it's way it's it's insane to be so critical of, like again, you compared him to Justin Fields. We're patient. We give him time, and I don't know what. He's had a year, sure, but a year not playing under Aaron Rodgers, which, by the way, that's like in comedy when they say, if a guy's killing it on stage, you don't want to be the next person up if you're still figuring out your material. It's very clear Jordan Love's still figuring out his material and, and not all there yet, and that's okay. Give him time. He's clearly talented. I, I thought the his mannerisms, his mechanics, his footwork, he looks like Aaron Rodgers as far as like he's taken that part of his game and said, I'm going to copy all your mannerisms. Is that what you saw too? Yeah, yeah, and you've seen that. Uh, just following other backups, like even fricking Tim Boyle over a couple of years as he developed, he came in and like, was like, Oh man, his release, his footwork looks a lot like Aaron Rodgers. So that's, that's like the, that's their go-to coaching point with that staff is they spend so much time on that footwork. Uh, so yeah, I think that, that definitely will help his transition whenever it happens. And it'll be interesting. I, I do think Rodgers is slowly, a becoming happier in Green Bay and also gaining a little bit of leverage. Uh, just the fact that they've started to sign some of these players that he's saying they need to do. Uh, Randall Cobb looks great, so he was kind of right about that. And uh, now Love maybe not looking quite as ready. I think he can even have a slightly more leverage in that department. So he, he it could be a world where they actually trade Love this offseason, and, and that would be really fascinating especially with how bad this quarterback class is coming up. Yeah, I would wonder, Jordan Love, if he had a whole training camp of first-team reps and, and like, a lot of time to play, how much better would he be? Because I would think he'd be way better. I mean, I just – he looked like a guy who barely has touched the field and, and hasn't gotten any real reps at all. And he was nervous in the first half. I, I thought uh, – I think it's a little overhyped by the broadcasters. But, I, I mean, like, I thought he did look a little off, and he definitely settled in. Like, the fourth quarter, Jordan Love is a different quarterback than he was in the first quarter. Which you want to see. I, I just – I can't say enough. Like, I'm so sad yeah. he won't play next week. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what you want to see. You want to see a guy adjusting, like, to what he wasn't hitting. Um, there was, like, the his first real drop back – he he passed on throwing one of those intermediate intermediate throws in between zones uh, from a clean pocket. He didn't throw it. He threw it short, and they ended up punting. In the third quarter, on a very similar concept against the same coverage, he steps into the throw and hits it. So he definitely looked more comfortable as the game went on. So I, I don't – man, I don't know how – you. we can cut this out if you want to, right? We'll figure out how to you, – you can respond if you want. We're two guys having a conversation. Um I look at the offseason. I look at the unmentionable drama going on right now with Aaron Rodgers. And it's pretty clear the team just doesn't want to challenge him. 
Like they're like, we're just not going to get in your way. Aaron does what Aaron does. We're not going to get in your way. Isn't that kind of a sign that they're almost done with him? They're like, we're, we're just going to, this is our last year. Get through it. Don't get in his way. Let him do his thing. Next year we got Jordan Love. I mean, that's kind of the vibe I've been getting all year from the Packers. Not to mention they're like, we'd way rather pay Jordan Love's salary than Aaron Rodgers. We can build a better team around Jordan Love. And we got two good running backs. We can run the ball heavily. I actually think a lot of signs point to the Packers preparing for the future without Aaron Rodgers. Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah, I think, especially with the way that organization thinks, um, just this old school limit the player's power. We want to have full control more than any team in the league by far. Uh, Just to say, this is our culture. This is our organization. We're going to do things our way. The idea of one of their players having more power than them and him knowing that and then outwardly saying that and showing the power, um, that I think is a nightmare for them. Uh, it's working, in my opinion. Rodgers bringing in a Randall Cobb, them starting to sign guys like Rasul Douglas, who won them the Cardinals game, who had a great game against the Chiefs, uh, bringing in a Whitney Merciless, who's played nice. I mean, these are the types of moves that they've never made. And Rodgers was like, yeah, stop bringing up Joe Schmo from the practice squad, who comes out and gives up 40, you know, is the reason we give up 45 points in playoff games and all this stuff. Like, let's get guys with NFL experience that have proven the traits that you need to be at a, at least a starting level. These aren't crazy athletes or anything, but they're they're functional NFL players as opposed to some of the guys that they've been calling up in the past. And it's it's been transformative for them being a more complete football team. So the fact that Rodgers has been right about all this, I think complicates this a lot. The Randall Cobb move reminds me a lot of, actually LeBron James, where LeBron James kind of famously doesn't want to work with young players. He's like, I'm not going to teach you the game of basketball. You better be able to plug in and work with me immediately. I'm not going to teach you anything. He didn't, have, he didn't have to teach Randall Cobb anything. He's not a young receiver. They're on the same page. And, and Randall Cobb, I thought, was going to be a guy who made like a play or two this year where you're like, oh, he won a game here, made a great catch there. He's been even more than that. He's like making consistently big catches on third down, converting fourth down, third down, whatever. And, and I, I just wonder, like, I don't even know the question is. It just it reminds me of LeBron James. Like he's like, I'm not willing to work with young guys. I'm tired of teaching guys how to play. Is that kind of your um, impression of that situation? Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally accurate. I think you you've seen similar things from other quarterbacks around the league. They have high standards for the veteran guys. They have high standards, and Rodgers has always been this way. And uh, they have high expectations for the their front office to give them those players. And very rarely, Rodgers has been given the opportunity to play with these veterans. And I think he's now that they're actually acquiescing to that. I think he's a lot more happy Mm. uh, actually playing in green Bay. So I don't know if he necessarily wants to leave because they are a very talented team. And he's, he's talked constantly about how he has ownership of the bucks and uh, he loves Wisconsin and he loves the fans. And he, he's, he said in that big press, he's like, I don't want to leave, but I will, if nothing Mm. changes here. Well, I, I, I kind of framed it as, well, they're doing whatever he wants and not getting in his way as maybe that's a sign of they're done. Maybe it's the exact opposite. They're like, we're trying to change. And maybe Aaron's like, hey, they're, they're listening to me. They're letting me do my thing. They're not getting in my way. Like maybe he does appreciate it. And also he's clearly not threatened by Jordan Love. I, he never was, which I, I think it makes sense. And, and where's he going to go? Like that's a real question because 
maybe Denver, but after Denver, like where could he, like New Orleans has no money. They're not very good. I don't think like, I, I'm trying to think of like a quarterback in the team, Pittsburgh, maybe the giants are terrible. They might make a move to replace Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers. Like realistically, where would Aaron Rodgers go other than green Bay where he could also win? I mean, I feel like they're just a good match where they help each other tremendously. So do you, where could he go other than maybe Denver, which I don't feel confident in? Yeah. I mean, before the year started, I was saying Denver. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's another team that, especially when you look at his next three or four years, we got Bakhtiari and Adams are both like 29 years old and at the back end of their prime. I don't, I don't think there's another spot that he's going to have realistically a better chance. Uh, they're in a bad division. If you go to Denver, you got to take down the Chiefs, the Chargers. Like, it, if he's... Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there's there's a pretty decent chance he ends up staying at yeah. this point. Well, and all the other quarterback-needy teams are bad. There's just not a good spot for him to go and win. That That's the thing. Like, go to Miami. Go to Houston. You're going to suck really bad, and it's going to be miserable. So I don't think he would take that over. I think he'd retire before he'd go to, like, Miami or Houston. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I want to talk about um, the Titans because I, I'm curious. You're a football guy, and I, I look at Tennessee, and it was pretty funny— Derrick Henry gets hurt. And I was like, man, this is bad. But people took an, another step further than I did. And we're like, their year is over, like declaring the season done. And I was like, hold on, let's let's see what happens at minimum. They win very convincingly against the Rams. What's your take on Tennessee right now? Are they, I mean, I think they're 72. They are. They're, they're top of the AFC right now. Are they a Super Bowl contender? Was that a fluke? Are they, like, because the offense wasn't dominant against the Rams. The defense was. Is that sustainable? Like, what's your take on the Tennessee Titans right now? I'm glad you asked because I wanted to know your stance on this too. Because uh, I don't, I don't fully know what to do with them quite yet. I think that they're they're solid offensively. I think they have something really special between Tannehill and AJ Brown, and they have a scheme that works. Like, I, I don't expect them to have this dominant offense, which means they're gonna have to play really good defense in the playoffs to win a Super Bowl. That's really what it comes down to. And and they can get Derrick Henry back and that's that's great. That could change some things. I I still look at their offense in the, you know, 8 to 20 range. I don't I don't think with Ryan Tannehill he's not going to come out and get into a shootout and win you a game. That's that's kind of what it comes down to for me. But with defense, it's it's tough because it's there's such a high variance with it. So you need a a larger sample size before you're ready to commit on saying this is an elite defense Titans the last month are playing elite defense and they're putting together the pass rush Danico Autry was a great signing Jeffrey Simmons reaching his potential Harold Landry playing for a new mega deal like pass rush is great and then the secondary is kind of slowly coming together so you know if if they can play elite defense in the playoffs they can absolutely go to a Super Bowl it's just that's the that's the harder route to, to do it. I think you'd much rather be the bills and say, we can just score 40 points and beat you. Same thing with the chiefs. I think that's a much better, uh, higher probability shot of getting, getting a super bowl, but they're, they're definitely like, they've been impressive. I think Mike Vrabel has done a great job with the defense. That's supposed to be his job. He's been bad at that the last couple of years, or at least last year is really bad. So he's settled in, kind of built a new defense the way he wanted it, and and it's been very impressive. So 
I was in the same boat as you. I, I kind of wrote them off after the Henry injury. I thought that was really their identity, and and they got right back into that kind of confusing cluster at the top of the AFC. Yeah, it's interesting playing defensive football. Like defense, everyone says defense wins championships, but think about being a. It's one thing to have a good defense. It's another thing to be defensive led, and you have to stop multiple great offenses in the playoffs to win with a defensive led football team. That's tough. Now they do play in Tennessee. It looks like I, I, here's the rest of their schedule. I want to read it to you. It's pretty insane. They play the Saints next week. Then they play Houston twice. They play at the Patriots, the Jaguars, the Steelers, the 49ers, and Miami. I think they might go 13 and four. Like legitimately, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like they, they really have a shot to maybe 14 and three. Like they, they might only lose to New England the rest of the year. And I mean, I, I, if they have home field advantage playing at home in, in somewhat of cold, and they're not like, it's not Philadelphia, it's not New England, but Tennessee's cold in the winter. And I think their style helps in the cold. And I, I'm just really curious to see, like, I, I'm going to wait till week 12. Week 12 is when I'll do another round of like, these teams are the Super Bowl contenders. And that's when I'll evaluate where, whether Tennessee is still around. But I mean, I like they've beat up they're like 6-0 and against teams that were in the playoffs last year. It's kind of crazy what they've done. So it's it's really hard. I it's hard to criticize them because they've kind of they're like they're almost like Aaron, the way Aaron Rodgers talks is the way they win. They're like we're gonna say we're gonna do exactly the right thing. So it's really hard to criticize and be like skeptical of if that makes sense. Yeah, it, I I so I ranked them eighth in my power rankings this week, and I literally led with like I am about to just enrage the Titans fan base, <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I. I just it comes it always comes back to Ryan Tannehill for me. He's fine. He's fine. He doesn't make a ton of plays when you need him. Here's what's weird though. And eventually in the playoffs. So sorry, but Ryan Tannehill yeah, is like really good at making plays on third down. And for like key moments, he always it's, I feel like he always makes a play. It's very weird. Really? Yeah, you and think I so? with a lead, I, sorry, with a lead or at the end of a game, I mean, he's not going to lead you back down from 17 points. But I, I've seen multiple times at the end of a game, like he makes the right decision. And he doesn't, he's not going to wow. He's like, he's like a slightly better version of Alex Smith, maybe is a good way to put it, where he's not going to like blow you away physically, make a crazy throw, but he's going to put the ball in the right spot on third and four in a key moment at the end of a game. Or he'll run for a first down on fourth and four. Like, it's weird how, like, I've, I've, the only thing I've noticed about him, and I don't have any stats, any like film or numbers backs up, but what I've seen over the years is he's like shockingly clutch in key moments. At the end of games. And I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. But he just does the right thing with the football. Yeah. he His his ability in rhythm and in structure is very impressive. Like he, he can dissect a quick route combination. Get the ball out on time with precision. And when... When the play is there and the receipt, a lot of times it's kind of these out routes and good stuff, like good, well-placed catchable balls to really good receivers like AJ Brown and Corey Davis. And that, that can definitely work. But once, once the structure of the play isn't there, I am very nervous about what Ryan Tannehill is going to do. I think he, he doesn't use his feet enough when he is under pressure, and when he needs to extend plays, he'll do it. He'll do it occasionally, but not enough. And uh, he do- he can make some questionable throws once that first kind of initial 
timing of the play does break down. So that's kind of my holdup on Tannehill. And and playoff football, that's when those you get more and more of those because defenses are are playing their best ball at that point. Would you say he needs good play calling to help him out? Like, is he the kind of guy who he heavily relies on the the call coming in being the right call? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. But he's one he's one of the better quarterbacks at making the most of the right call. I guess I would say. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night football, the Ravens play the Dolphins. This will be brief. It's a blowout, right? <laughs> Ravens, Dolphins. You got uh, Jacoby in there. Yeah, yeah, should be a blowout. What's what's the spread? Like ten and a half. I have no idea. I, I actually. What, I so no what's idea. that mean? I, I, I like serious question. <laughs> I I don't gamble. I've never understood it. When you when a team is like minus ten points, what does that mean? So so let's play a hypothetical. If the Ravens were minus ten, does that mean like they're supposed to win by more than ten or lose by less than? moves by more like what does that mean i don't know how that works so it just means whatever it is plus or minus just add that to the final score so if you're plus 10 if you lose the game by nine points mm. you've covered the spread because by in vegas's eyes you've won by one point more than you should have. and then it works the right yep and if it's the other way so if if the ravens are favored by 10 tonight they have to win the game by more than 10 points to cover the spread. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think the Ravens should kill them. Uh, they've been they've been kind of a second-half team in, in a lot of these games. They, they have it in them to come out and just take them down from the start, but they have kind of uh, leaned on Lamar a lot in the second half of these games to just kind of basically make stuff happen. And that could be that could be problematic against an opportunistic uh, Dolphins defense, but it's pretty pretty bad pretty bad matchup for the for the Dolphins for sure. I want to ask you about Thursday night football because uh, you know the Packers played the Cardinals on Thursday night. I think last week, two weeks ago, something like that. Yeah, and I remember just being like devastated because they didn't really have a full week to prepare. The Packers didn't have a bunch of their players. The Cardinals weren't at full strength. Like I, I, I actually kind of hate when good football teams match up on Thursday night football because it's not them at their best. And Thursday night for me feels like a great opportunity to highlight the Jaguars and the Bengals, like two teams that are not nationally relevant. that are not at the top of the standings. Like I like when you get two bad football teams action on Thursday night football, because it's an opportunity for us to give the spotlight to teams that wouldn't get it otherwise nationally. Do you agree? I love that. I love that take. That's spot on. Like, hundred percent. Like, there's so many teams and players that people aren't aware of. So to highlight them on Thursday Night Football without sacrificing those those big matchups, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the Cardinals Packers should have got Sunday Night Football. I was I was like, what is this? I was so mad. And maybe they didn't expect Arizona to be good. I, maybe yeah. they're like they're looking at it like. I just, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to give Amazon some help. I have no idea, but I, <laughs> I hated seeing that. I was like, I just don't like this good matchup wasted on a Thursday night. I was so depressed when I saw that. Um, l- let's get into questions. I'll do my, my spiel in front of you. It's time for Ask Zach. It's my favorite part of the show. Now, this is a special thing I've never done. It's Ask Zach with a guest. So in case you do not know, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can Give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on 
Patreon. Now, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the podcast. My only guarantee, I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick a top couple to read on the show. Uh, question number one today. So, First of all, how'd that go? Did you like that? You got, have you ever heard that before? Dude, super impressed. I have heard that before, but uh, man, live. No, no hiccups or anything. It's almost like you've almost like you've done it a couple times. Oh, dude, I it's funny. I have a piece of paper here that I've actually had this for like a year and a half. Like it's my little script for that, and I've never used. It. I, I always have it as like a, my comfort blanket in case I need it. I haven't even looked at it really in like a year, but I, I have it just in case I ever need it. And then I put it back under my little my little stand, and, and then it goes away for until <laughs> the next episode. And I pull it out. It's so funny. <laughs> Um, I, I have a little first, tangent here. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't mind, I yeah. You're just making me laugh because I don't know if people realize, like in our position, the hardest thing, and you can agree or disagree with this, the hardest thing for a content creator is intros and promotions. By far, I can sit and talk for an hour about games and whatever, but when I have to sit down and make sure I hit like the four things I wanted to talk about before I got into the action, or if I'm doing a promo. I will sit there and record that thing for two hours and never get it right. And I don't know. Maybe it's just me. The first thing I always write is like, how am I going to introduce this topic? And then, cause that's, that's where I get writer's block. I sit there for like an hour, like, uh, and then, or like, I don't write anything cause I don't know how to start. And then I'll just like do the whole meat and potatoes. I'm like, okay, how do I introduce this? And usually I'm just like on Sunday night football, blank beak, blank this score. And I'm like, it's boring, but it's like the only way to get me into the topic where then I actually say good stuff. (laughs) It's horrible. I I wish I was like a great, like you see poets sometimes that are like, yeah, once upon a time when my grandfather, I'm like, I can't, I can't tell a story. I just, I get right into it. I'm terrible at it. It's so hard for me. So you're totally right. It's, it's brutal. All right. Let's get into the questions. Uh, <laughs> question number one comes from Sully. He says, I cannot for the life of me figure out the AFC. Just when I think one team like the Ravens is good, they get smacked by the Bengals, who then in turn, <laughs> then turn around and lose to the Jets. I thought the Bills were the lone constant, but now they put up six points and fall to the Jaguars. I would love to hear your thoughts on who is who and who isn't. So let's talk about the AFC. I came up with one, two, three, four, five teams that are, that I just literally stole them from my, uh, I talked about in the last episode, 408, my Super Bowl contenders. Uh, the Titans are seven and two, the Ravens are six and two, the Chargers are five and three, the Bills are five and three, and the Patriots are five and four. Those are my five teams in the AFC that have a shot to make the Super Bowl. Uh, now, what's interesting is I, I think the Colts are four and five with, they're getting hard knocks. And they're, like, I think better than the record will show. So it's going to be interesting as they make a push. And I was hoping that maybe Tennessee would be bad losing Derrick Henry and we'd get, like, a really good challenger there. Maybe not. Maybe Tennessee's going to roll the rest of the year. But I'm, I'm really curious who you like or don't like in the AFC. And it's been insane. It's, like, so unpredictable. Um, who do you like in the AFC? Oh, gosh. So the way I rank them would go Bills, Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, Chargers, Browns would be kind of the six that I could see them winning a Super Bowl, I guess. And then you got Steelers, Raiders, Bengals. I don't see them getting that far, but those are probably the next group, along with the Patriots. Really deep, uh, really deep conference, like you said. But I, I don't get if I'm ever there. Why do you have the Browns above the Patriots? Uh, upside, I suppose. I guess based on what they've shown to this point, I, I suppose you could say they haven't been as good, but I think they've 
endured a lot of injuries for one, and they're they're not season ending stuff. They're getting their line back and their defensive back. I mean, Miles Garrett's game wrecking at this point. I mean, he's he's reached that Aaron Donald level at this point where he single handedly just changes the numbers and elevates your defense to levels that other defenses aren't capable of, especially when they have a secondary that's coming together, young pieces all around that are, are it was going to take some time, I thought, for that secondary to come together, uh, but it, I think it is. And they're going to get Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa back and the, and the linebacking group. Like, they are freaking stacked on that side of the ball. So I think they're, they have more upside there. And, I mean, that offensive line with Nick Chubb and potentially getting Kareem Hunt back that I think meant more to that team than we realized in the passing game. It's just a matter of if that comes together, like, they're going to be tough to beat. Whereas the Patriots, it's like, they're really good. They're not that hard for a team like the Ravens or the Bills to beat when they're at their best. So I guess that's the difference. When some of the games they lost, the Browns were literally missing both of their tackles and had injuries galore. And Miles, you mentioned Miles Garrett, man. Like I, I was talking to a friend of mine, Coach Dan Casey, the other day, and he was talking about the length Miles Garrett has makes him just like the most unique pass rusher in the NFL. Him and Von Miller prime are like the only thing you can compare Miles Garrett to. And he, he you're right. He can... He can take over a game the way, like, I don't want to, like, Lawrence Taylor feels crazy, but, like, he's like a throwback to that era where a guy could just take over a game and get, like, four sacks and wreck your whole game plan just by getting constant pressure and beating your right tackle over or your left tackle over and over and over again. So it's just he, maybe, I think maybe if nothing else, other than the upside the Browns have, I think I totally agree with you that Miles Garrett could be the factor that puts the Browns above New England. Well, another interesting thing there is, as unbelievable as Aaron Donald is, and I think Donald's making a pretty strong case to be considered like the best defender ever. Uh, so I'm a huge Aaron Donald truther and stand, but the, there's a difference with Miles Garrett being an edge player is he makes you strategize so much more on how you're going to block him because of just the numbers. When Aaron Donald's lined up inside, it's a lot easier to just say, all right, guard and center, grab him. Like, with Miles Garrett, it's like, okay, do we chip a tight end? Do we chip a running back? Do we slide a guard out and compromise the center who might not be as good? It just adds a different layer of complexity that it just, like I said, it just changes the numbers and, and makes everyone else even better. Well, it's literally more complicated to double team him. It's just harder because of, mm-hmm. of where he plays. Exactly. I apologize. I feel like, so I have this horrible thing where I get so excited and I cut people off and I, I've cut you off a couple times. I apologize. You were saying something, uh, when I, when I mentioned, I I was like, I literally blurted out like, why are the Browns above the Patriots? What were you saying when I, when I, I didn't, I I don't think it was rude, but I cut you off. What happened? Was it about Kareem Hunt? Was it that? No, you were talking about, you were like listing off, um, like how you rank the AFC teams. And I, I was like, there was something else, and maybe you forgot it now, but there was something else you were saying, I thought. Yeah, I think I was just saying, this, so the Browns were the sixth team in the AFC there that I could see winning a Super Bowl. And then I just had Steelers, Raiders, Bengals, and Patriots in kind of a crop of probably playoff contending teams, but not teams I could actually see winning a Super Bowl. Why Kansas City? Um, <laughs> maybe I just have too much faith in them to, I mean, figure it out is the easy way to word it, but 
I think it's all in their head right now. I think Tyreek Hill's still getting open. I think Patrick Mahomes still has the most talent. And, well, Josh Allen's a more physically gifted quarterback. But, um, yeah, I mean, they have the best playmaking duo between Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill. And it's not like those guys aren't getting open. They're just they're kind of broken right now. And I think defensively, some of their issues got overstated early on. Not that it's a good defense. It certainly isn't. But when you have a team that's turning the ball over three times, you have, at that point in the season, made a terrible decision to take your best defensive player and change his position to the point where he was almost a non-factor. They've got him back at defensive tackle now, and he's back to wrecking games, being Chris Jones. Um, and they're they're getting healthier on the back end. I I think they can resolve some of their issues where to the point where if they just click back in offensively, which I think is very possible, they're they're right back in the mix. They're not at the top like they've been for years, but if you're talking about can they beat the Bills, can they beat the Ravens, can they beat the Titans, I think so, yes. So Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is – I wrote them off, by the way. So just – so, like, do you know where I stand? I have to, like, at least mention that because otherwise I'll be like, ah, you – so I did write them off. Uh, but I I see a world where I'm wrong because what they're doing is fixable. Like, Patrick Mahomes just simply isn't taking what the defense gives him. It's almost like he's he's bored or he's trying to make stuff that isn't there. He really reminds me of – you're a Packers fan, Brett Favre, actually, where, like – the, the worse a team Brett Favre was on, the more he would force stuff into coverage and try to be the hero. And that doesn't really work. And and Patrick Mahomes is having a hard time taking the easy play. And I get why their defense isn't as good. They're not the same team they were last year uh, and have been. This is probably the worst Chiefs team he's been on his entire career. But if he can get back to being disciplined and, and finding – it's such a hard balance between like you have these incredible superpowers to throw the ball like no one else can to make crazy plays and do stuff – how do you know when to use it and when not to? And that's, he's still figuring out that balance. And that's like an impossible thing to actually define. And, and uh, well, a lot of me says Andy Reid worked with Brett Favre. Just let him be the crazy talent he is and not get in his way. But you at some point have to say, dude, you got to stop throwing the ball into double and triple coverage. It's not, it's not working. And so he's still finding that balance between when to use his incredible talent and when to just take what the defense gives him, check it down, find a swing route outside if he figures out that balance, we're all in trouble because he can't carry a team. I I want to echo a point. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the the PFF podcast with Sam Monson. So he made a point that I, I loved, and he said that if you are like a pocket quarterback and you're in a slump, it's so easy to say, okay, you have an extra hitch in your drop back. Oh, you're, you know, your, your left foot is pointing – a little bit too far left, which is leading you to, um, you know, overthrow some of these, or you're, you're passing on this read that's there. You got to take that next time. There's so much more structure to say, this is specifically what you're doing and then fix it with Mahomes, <laughs> The way Sam Monson described it was, I have this unbelievable machine, but I don't understand it. It's broken. Someone please help. That's Patrick Mahomes right now. The, the machine is broken and they don't know how it was built in the first place. Cause what he does is just non-conventional. And just like you said, like you, to this point, they've just let him go and just let him do his thing. But now it's like, what do we do? Cause he actually needs some help. It's, it's a huge task for Andy Reed. I think they're fit for the test. I think Mahomes has that, that like work ethic mentality where he's eventually going to 
you know, settle in it to a, to a certain degree, but there's, there's obvious issues too. Like, I don't think you can say he's the best quarterback in the NFL at this point. No. Who is? <laughs> that is the question. You first. I have no idea. I'm not <laughs> answering that. Like, no way. Like, uh, I know. I, I, so like a couple came to mind. I was like Josh Allen, but he had a bad game. Aaron Rodgers. Is a, I think probably Aaron Rodgers, actually. Like as far as like, he's definitely the best thrower of the football. Like I think we, the game's ever seen. I'm working on a film analysis of Aaron Rodgers, and it's just mostly me like celebrating his highlights. Like I'm just like, I'm like, ah, like as a former quarterback, that's amazing. And I, I don't even like, it's hard to break down. I've never done a quarterback film analysis on like, a actual I've done Tom Brady but that's it and my point with Tom Brady was showing like he's actually got gas in the tank after his final year with the Patriots and I was right about that hell yeah uh but other than that I've never covered a guy like Aaron Rodgers and it's kind of fun to just be like look he's amazing so probably Aaron which like it's it's funny like with all the politics stuff going on with him it's like it's gonna be fun to like drop that and be like I don't care about the vaccine like he's he's great um Aaron I feel weird saying Tom. Like, do you Tom? Is Tom Brady? Like, I don't. He's in the conversation. When I did this two weeks ago, and I said I just put him in a tier, and I said if I had to do a number one, it would be Aaron Rodgers because he gives you the structure stuff that Tom Brady gives you, and then he's giving you. He still gives you wild plays too. Yeah, and I think he can move and do other stuff. I also think you see what the offense looked like now with him removed you start it it revealed a lot of the things he does that aren't appreciated I've always said yes he has Devontae Adams and yes he has a run game but he's his third receiver isn't Chris Godwin you know and he doesn't have the offensive line that Tom Brady has and he can't just if if the offensive line breaks and if Antonio Brown Mike Evans and Chris Godwin aren't open he can just throw it to Gronk and Gronk will come down with it like Brady's playing amazing, but he has, between him and Dallas, the easiest job of any quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Aaron, watching Jordan Love showed us how good Aaron really is at the little details. Those those sit routes, the the choice routes, stuff like that, that to the naked eye, you're like, ah, it's just a hitch. That's just a slant. But it's like, no, but it's so much more than a slant. That's so much more than just a hitch. Where the, It's like he had to be on the same page as the receiver, feel the defense, know where to go find the right spot, look the linebacker off, like little stuff that just, you can't, you clearly it's, that, that's, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going way off topic here, but like following Brett Favre is so much easier than following Aaron Rodgers because it's such a, it's like a next level of higher play. It's just Aaron's so much more detailed than Brett Favre ever was. Brett Favre left a lot of throws on the table that I, I think Aaron Septon's like, oh, I could, I could find the check down there. I could do this. I could do that. I could do that. Jordan Love, you're like, I don't even know where to begin. How do you, what do you do? I don't know how you do better than Aaron, actually. There was a throw uh, from Love that I think we've we've seen it for so long with Aaron that we just take it for granted on those like back shoulders that he's just like made his stamp, Aaron has. And there's a throw against the Blitz that obviously was coming all day, and Love had to throw it off his back foot, pressure in his face, was trying to hit the back shoulder to Devontae Adams, and he just... It wasn't a lack of chemistry. He knew he was trying to throw it on his back shoulder, but 20 yards downfield, across field, off your back foot, that's that turns out that's actually a pretty hard throw to make. And Aaron does that like a robot, just right there where only Devontae Adams can catch it. And I think we've taken that for granted. I don't – there's so few quarterbacks that – I don't think anybody's done it at the consistency um, that Aaron has. That's – it's it's just I think we've taken it for granted at this point with some of that that stuff. 
I encourage anyone get a real football, like not not a junior size football, like a real actual NFL football, or like just a big a big college football, right? Go to a football field, stand on the opposite hash, and try to throw like thirty five yards downfield to a guy running back shoulder. It's impossible. It's like so hard. I played quarterback in college. You don't guys in college can't do that at all, and, and guys in college are like incredibly talented. It's insanely, and not just from like the accuracy level. It's the arm strength it takes to be able to do that off platform without perfectly set feet like he does it's it's unbelievable like aaron's so amazing i don't know do you have any more to add because i feel like we should move on to the next question but it's like we just like so easily go from like (laughs) (laughs) hey i'm all for sitting here with someone that agrees that aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football because fighting that fight is the biggest uphill battle that you will ever believe because he only has one ring did you know that yeah (laughs) <laughs> we also is in a, a franchise that refuses to make moves yep. and take risks. And if he was like, if he was a quarterback of the Rams, oh my God, can you imagine the, the Rams are just like, we'll sell everything to win. Right. Have you ever gone back and looked at the uh, points scored against in his playoff losses? No, it's horrible. It's probably like 38 points. Can we, can we do that real quick? It's, it's hilarious. Um, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, while you look that up, I'll say this, man, I, Aaron Rodgers, the only criticisms you can make of him, I think, are like off the field or personality stuff, like, you know, moments where, but I, I thought, so I've always criticized him for like glaring at receivers. And I actually talked to my, my buddy Riley Hennessy plays quarterback in Italy. He won the Italian Super Bowl. And he's like, look, that's, that happens. Like his, his style was, my style was very different from Riley's. And Riley's was, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that in that moment. I'm going to talk to you on the sideline. So you never know, like we never get to see Riley's point was we never get to see the sideline when they, they have the conversation or, or after the game, or whatever, like all we see is Aaron glaring at a receiver who dropped the ball. We never see the follow-up. We never see the conversation on the sideline. We never see them talking in the locker room. We never see all week where Aaron's building that relationship. And, and maybe Aaron's like, I don't want to yell at the guy. I'm just going to give him a look to know like, Hey, that's not cool, but I'm not going to scream at you. So like I, when he challenged me on that, it really was like, okay, like that's fair. And I think you can criticize some of the stuff that's been going on with Aaron off the field, but it's like his talent is undeniable. You can never, ever take away the amazing throws he makes, the great reads he makes, the stuff he does off platform, the stuff he does out of structure. It's unbelievable. He's like, he's literally like the most talented guy I've ever seen play the quarterback position. It's amazing to me. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I filled time though. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that was perfect. Um, no, <laughs> I, I wasn't um, saying like, oh, he's finally done talking. I can... <laughs> that was the, oh, I, no, I agree, no, I agree no, with your point I, I I think that's a good point no you're, you don't need to validate me go uh, ahead <laughs> all right so his first playoff start 51 points against loss in overtime the next year they win the Super Bowl year after that 37 points against Eli Manning year after that 45 year after that was only 23 that was against that really good Niners team so that was that was in a wild card round it wasn't the best team mm. um yeah so that was the first time where it was like okay like the Vikings won the the no maybe not so somebody else won the the division that year i believe yep yeah yeah that was yeah those Vikings that year and then yeah cuz that was Kaepernick and the mm. yeah yeah okay anyway um so then the year after that is that Seahawks collapse, which is just, it's, it, I, maybe I'm biased, but I think it's the biggest collapse in an in a NFL playoff game history where they had the miss, the, um, the onside kick and the two point conversion. And then do you know what game I'm talking about? 
No, I, I don't even remember that at all. Oh, man. Well, I, I didn't cover the NFL back then, so, like, I don't... I was I probably... That might have even been the years, like, I wasn't paying attention. There was, like, a couple of years where I was burned out on football. Sure. It must have been, because this was a huge deal. So they're up 16-0. They're in the... Against the Legion of Boom, like, the best defense of the decade. They're seven-point underdogs on the road. No one thought they were going to win. They're up 16-0 uh, in the fourth quarter. Rodgers also had kind of a bum ankle. He couldn't really scramble too much. And <laughs> they basically within the last five minutes of the game, my dad and I were booking our flights to go to the Super Bowl. Like, this game was over. Man. Defense was crushing Russ all day. And then within five minutes, they uh, – Go three and out on two drives where Mike McCarthy ran the ball six times. And then Russ leads two touchdown drives. The first, and they needed to get the two-point conversion. So they run the ball three times. Seahawks get the ball. Then they go for two. Russ scrambles, throws all the way across the field. Ha Ha Clinton-Dix stares at a two-point conversion that goes right in front of his face. So it's 16, it's, it's 16 to 8 with like two minutes left. Onside kick. The Seahawks recover it because Brandon Bostick like didn't do his job. He's like the villain in Green Bay is Brandon Bostick because he's supposed to block, but he goes up for the ball instead. And Jordy Nelson's behind him, like, oh no, like waiting for the ball. So a uh, uh, missed like assignment on an onside kick. Seahawks get the ball two plays later, throws a touchdown, gets the two point conversion, and then Rodgers. I'm missing something in there because the Packers were down by three actually after that. And Rodgers gets the ball with like 40 seconds, actually leads a drive to go get a field goal in that moment uh, to send it into overtime. They lose the coin toss, and Rodgers never sees the football. It, it was an unbelievable collapse. So they, they could have very well won the Super Bowl that year if, if that all does, doesn't shake down. What year was that? That was 2015. And that's when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, right? Patriots at the goal line, like... Uh, interception like the Marshawn Lynch mm. was that did that Super Bowl end was that February 2016 uh that would have been 2015 February 20 or that would have been January 2015 when that game happened was that was that the year they killed the Broncos I don't remember, I remember so uh, story I'll tell you I, I don't know why it interests me I remember my brother died February 8 2016 and I was it, like life was rough then and I remember, like, that's, I think, the same year. I, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I think that's, I remember a Super Bowl happening right after that or, like, right before that or something, like, right around that time. And things were already really bad. And I, it, the Seahawks were involved. I, I remember I didn't care about the Seahawks Super Bowl when they beat Denver because it was, like, 48 to 3 or something. And then I remember I watched the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl and I was, like, asleep, didn't care. It's the first time I've, in my life where I remember, like, I was out of football, I wasn't playing. I was depressed. I was having a hard time. And I remember watching this crazy catch along the sideline for Seattle. I'm like, what the heck? I remember that like ball, like didn't it like defy gravity and they caught it on like the three yard line. And then they throw the ball on the goal line and the Patriots win. And I, I just was like, I don't, why did I even watch this game? I hate this. I'm so upset. Like I just was okay, like, so that was, yeah, that was that game. That was, so you weren't, you weren't uh, in it at that point in time. So you, you just happened to miss like the, uh, the year Rogers got screwed. Yeah. Those like the two years um, of football I haven't watched my entire life, like lifetime was those two seasons, whatever those were. Yeah. Yeah. It was a wild, wild couple of games between that and that Patriots Super Bowl. So what else? What happened after? So they, the meltdown happens. Then the next year, what's the points against? Meltdown happens. The next year, uh, 
he's that was the was that the the next year would have been the do you remember the run the table comment no that would have been the same time in your life so you probably yeah they started like one and five and rogers was like like we're gonna run the table nice like everyone was writing them off it was like the chiefs this year on steroids where like nothing was working and rogers was like we got this we're fine we're gonna run the table and he did he went on one of the best quarterback runs you'll see and then they get to the playoffs but all of his receivers are out so he's out there throwing to people named Jared Aberderis and uh Jeff Janis in Arizona you know I gotta say if I'd followed football then I probably would have liked Aaron Rodgers a lot more now that I know that I'm like that's amazing what the heck I didn't know that it, I mean this was this is why I work in football was yeah. this run right here I was like that is unbelievable um so yeah super like team super injured but gets into the playoffs, ends up beating Washington in the wild card round. Then they go to Arizona, this and they're like seven and a half point underdogs. And uh game goes that was one of the, his Hail Mary games, and he the game went to overtime and he never saw the football. So that's now two overtime losses where he loses the coin toss, defense gives up a walk off touchdown. Twice in um back to back years. So that sucks. <laughs> um, the year after that, they lose, giving up 44 points. Oh. Then they go on that really rough stretch. Mike McCarthy gets fired. The roster's in shambles. Um, they get Lafleur, go to the playoffs. They give up 37 points. And then last year, they give up 31. So he, he's, his defense is either giving up. I heard 51 points at one point, by the way. That's insane. Yeah, 51 was his first playoff loss. Oh, my gosh. So he's either, his defense is either giving up 31-plus. He is losing the coin toss in overtime and not seeing the football twice. And then there's only one loss in there where 23 points. Even then, that's not like a, a lock. That's an average game of defense. It, it makes me have sympathy for Aaron. It's, it's been brutal. So that's why when people bring up the rings, I'm like, so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I now have sympathy. For, I never would have thought I would have that much sympathy for Aaron, but I, that, that makes me feel for him. I want to ask you another question. Uh, it's from Brass Monkey. So between you and me, I, 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 some of these questions I picked because I don't know the answer. And I'm like, I, I have no idea. And I'm like, I, maybe Marcus will know. So you may not have an answer here, and that's fine. Uh, feel free to be like, I, I don't know. It's a fun question, though. Okay. Brass Monkey says, hi, Zach. Would you rather have Derrick Henry now? or prime Adrian Peterson, in quotes, assuming the offensive line is elite at run blocking. So prime AP or Derrick Henry now, of course, not injured. Wow. Um, I don't know how you decide that. I have no idea. It's like, who's the best quarterback in the NFL? I don't know. It's interesting because neither are good at catching the ball. No. So you can't, like, you can't like say, oh, I'd rather have AP because he was great catching the ball. Neither of them. They're both terrible at it. Oh, man. How about pass blocking? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember AP being very good at it. I don't think Henry's. He's not in there for a lot of those pass block situations. But it's true. <sighs> My gut tells me AP because I think he's got a little bit more, more dimensions to him. A little more shifty. Hmm. Uh, accelerates a little better. Can I remember him like breaking guys down really well? Like a couple times in Minnesota where he. Yeah, I think on a on a down to down basis, you'd rather have AP because Henry. It's like he could go twenty runs and look kind of bad, and then one run happens and he hits that hole, and that's what's so unique about him is he. It's just the deceptive speed at his size, and once he gets a lane, he's just gone. 
All it takes is one, and then he has 100 yards rushing for the game because he had an 80-yard touchdown run and a bunch of two-yard runs. And then but that's a 100-yard game, like, right there. Yeah. I think I'd go AP because he, he also never had a good passing game. Like, mm. teams would literally just put eight guys in the box against him <laughs> every true. single play, and it yeah. didn't matter. So I'd go AP. Have I ever told you I lived in Minnesota as a kid? I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. I lived in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Or we did. We did. Yeah, we talked about that when we. Yeah. We might. My dad had a. I, I had a football on. I, I don't have it anymore. My dad had it as a kid. You would like hit squeeze in and go, touchdown Vikings, and then like you'd like skull Vikings. Let's win the game. Skull Vikings. What are your name or whatever that like. Yeah, great. The great. Uh, great fight song. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, Adam writes in. <laughs> he says, "Hey Zach, I'm currently watching Josh Gordon play for the Chiefs, and I can't help but wonder." why he keeps getting extra chances. Regardless of how you feel about the rules regarding drug use in the NFL, a guy who keeps getting suspended doesn't help your team. Meanwhile, we've seen more proven players get less chances or none at all. Do you have any theories as to how NFL teams determine who gets another chance? So I find an easy, obvious answer here. I'm curious what you think. I'm like, it's talent. He's a former All-Pro. He's fast. There's not a lot of guys like Josh Gordon out there. I also wonder, do the teams that bring him in just not respect, like, they're like, we doesn't matter. Like, that's a dumb rule. We don't really care. We're not really worried about his character. Um, do you agree with that? I mean, I think he's just talent. Like, he's an all-pro at one point in 2013. They're like, there's not a lot of guys like this walking around. Yeah, it's yeah, it's this balance between talent, positional value, and what's the offense. And if I had to guess how many NFL owners like smoke pot, 50%, if not more. So It's not Bob McNair. That's only one. He's like. <laughs> there you go um so i think the offense isn't viewed necessarily as too serious and uh yeah this talent positional value if he was a running back probably wouldn't be no. playing. well the better you are the longer leash you get that's just it's fact and that's mm-hmm. that's how i mean it's that simple yep any yeah. any walk of life okay cool yep. i like that i totally agree uh teddy writes in he says i have two questions about the chiefs that are completely unrelated First, in previous years, I've always heard something about the Super Bowl hangover, but for some reason, this narrative is not applied to Kansas City this year. Why? That's number one. We can, we can tackle that now. Why, why is the Super Bowl hangover not tackled with Kansas City? Probably because they went twice back-to-back. If they were going to have one, mm. it probably should have been last year. I think it might be that simple. Was well, a hangover work if you win, or is it only if you lose? Oh, I guess I never, I never got clarity. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is only if you lose. <laughs> I guess. I mean, there's not like a rubric um, on this. I do think there was a, there was a, 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 a carryover from the way they lost in the Super Bowl, where they, they were like, if we just fix our offensive line, everything's going to be fine, and that's what they did. They spent every single possible resource they could draft and free agency on the offensive line. And now it's like, Oh crap, we need a pass rusher. We need a linebacker. We need another receiver. We like, we have all these other needs that we just ignored. They probably could have used a backup running back, like all this stuff that they just ignored. And now they're like very one dimensional with their offense and their defense isn't any good. So I think there was a, a a real effect from the way they lost that they kind of overreacted to, but I don't know. I don't know if there's, it's a, Super Bowl hangover or not. I think that's, I think, I think also we're kind of moving away from that, that opinion. It's kind of like a tired take. 
And then also Patrick Mahomes sucks all the oxygen out of the air. So like no one's going to talk about the Super Bowl hangover when they can just talk about how bad Patrick Mahomes is playing and how shocking that is. And so I think that's part of why that. I, I think that became a term because a lot of Super Bowl teams were these like super deep, super talented teams. And then they either win or lose the Super Bowl, whatever the result is. And then they get picked apart in free agency and they can't afford to keep everyone. So they just aren't as good. There's other coaches. They lose players. Yeah. But the Chiefs, it's like they brought everyone back. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Second, last year you said that if you were the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, you would not leave for a head coaching position. Has that position changed now that they're struggling? Thanks for reading. So how how do you think Eric Bieniemy sits as a, you, you can answer that if you want. I'm just going to ask you, like, does Eric Bieniemy, where's his standing now as a potential head coach now that they're not doing as well? Does this reflect poorly on him? Does he have a harder time? He had, it seems like he had a hard time getting a job even last year. So Yeah, I, I think it reflects poorly on him, honestly, um, because they're not adjusting, and that's supposed to be the offensive coordinator's job. And I think there's a lot of reasons he didn't get hired. I think there's, for one, like, a lot of offensive guys just didn't get hired for some reason. Like Dable, I thought for sure would have gotten hired. Uh, but also I think they, you look at the chiefs and you're like, yeah, he calls plays, but he's under Andy Reed. He has Patrick Mahomes. He's got the perfect play calling duo. Like how much is him? This I think is definitely a, it, if nothing else, just a tally in the other column of like, okay, well he didn't adjust the offense when they were struggling. It certainly doesn't help him. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you can say you're not going to get Patrick Mahomes wherever you go, regardless. Like, And when he was dominating the NFL, they're like, you can come here, but you're not going to have your superpower, your weapon that you had. And like you go to Miami, you're like, sorry, Tua and, and uh, Tua and Mahomes are not the same guy at all. So Yeah, and that's just one of the three superpowers that he has. I mean, he has Tyree Kill that's I mean, probably the easiest like offensive piece to scheme. It's just run this way and... We'll, we'll use Mahomes to get him the ball. It's like, it's it's a dream. And then you have Kelsey underneath that just, yeah. I don't know. Not to mention, as you said, working with Andy Reid, who has got a heavy hand on the offense. I mean, I think it's totally fair to be like, how much how much are, is he involved in? So should he want to stay? Like, I, I thought like when he when things are going well in Kansas City, I'm like, why would you go to Houston when you're, like before they were losing? I'm like, why would you go to Houston when you're winning in Kansas City and you get to work with, this great quarterback and you're having fun and like life's good. Why would you, I, I think often that's under like rated where things are good. Why would you screw that up for a bad situation with a bad owner and no quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in Houston's case. Like there's a lot of coaches around the league that were like, no, thanks. Like we're good. Well, uh, well, same with Philly. I thought Philly's a bad spot too. I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, I yeah, love Philly as a sports town. I'd love to do local radio there. They're, they're amazing. Their energy, both positive and negative. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like I wouldn't want to coach there. Hell no. No. They have my head in two days. I say the wrong thing in my press no. conference. They're after me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a tough spot for Philly, too. Quarterback spot was up in the air. and yeah. What do you make of Nick Sirianni? I don't think he lasts. I, I don't think so either. He seems like a good. What are you going to say? Seems like a like a goofball kind of? Yeah, oh yeah. Like like he's there because the owner can control him. And I I don't, I just can't. He says so many weird things. And like, I, I'm, we're both media guys. We edit video a lot. I watch him talk like in the like the the press clippings that the the Eagles have like a YouTube channel that make videos where he's like talking and over film and stuff. Dude, they cut him off all the time, 
I've never seen a guy just get like mid sentence. They're like, they cut to a shot behind him, and then like it's a different sentence, and you're like, oh, they're just clearly like not even letting yeah. this guy say anything. I, I do know he has he has like a uh, speech impediment. So oh, I th- yeah, I <laughs> I know I I found that out too, and I was like. That makes sense the way he talks, the way he does. But he's also had like some go- like he was playing rock paper scissors like with the players and stuff. So like he does have kind of a goofy side to him. I don't know. I don't think he's like terrible. I think he might have a nice career as like an offensive mind. I just I don't know if he's gonna. And it's not all because of him either. Like it's just well, they're bad. Like there's spot. the bad roster like, when you don't have a franchise quarterback. It's just hard. The quarter the coach is always going to be on a like a let's just say in the hot seat conversation when there's no quarterback there to elevate things. So he's got to figure that out. I think some of the ideas I've seen in Philly have been good. Like some of the play calls, I'm like, that's, that's a creative, nice idea. I think that he's utilizing the, the skill set of Jalen Hurts really, really well. Um, I don't hate him. I think, I think you're right. He just seems like a dude sometimes. I'm like, that's goofy. That kind of weird. Uh, the next question is from uh, a V. Avi, Avi, I don't know. So, sorry, no offense. Avi, probably. Avi. I would say uh, Avi. He says, it's Sam Darnold, Blake Bortles 2.0. I see the comparison, sloppy mechanics, poor decision-making thoughts. So for you, I've given up on Sam Darnold. I, I wanted to I want to support it. I'm like, yeah, the Jets were terrible. Adam Gay sucks. He'll be better with Joe Brady and the Panthers. And then... Uh, <laughs> It's not been good. Like he got, I, I he must hate. By the way, the Patriots. He's like, I'm so done with playing Bill Belichick. I've done it two years in a, two times a year, every year of my career. Now I have to play him again. Embarrassed again. Like just, and I, I found that we had a hurt shoulder. By the way, from the second quarter that came on, so that affected him. But like, certainly, it's not like I, I don't blame them at all for wanting to make a trade for like a guy like Deshaun Watson. Like they, it's not going well, right? Is that what your take is on Sam Darnold? Yeah, I'm ready to be done too. I, I thought it was gonna work. And uh, man, the, the Panthers have been disappointing too. Though, like I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for Donald at this point. Like I, like I said, I'm kind of done with him. But he, it's, it has not been this great surrounding situation that it looked like it was going to be coming into the year. Because like McCaffrey just got back in there, and they were actually working well with McCaffrey in the passing game, like setting up easier downs and stuff. But it's really just been DJ Moore and nobody else and one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL because Robbie Anderson has been actually effectively terrible for them he's been dropping passes and not coming down with contested balls they have nothing else they trade I liked the trade but they did trade away Dan Arnold who was like a decent weapon for them I I like that I think it was a good trade for the organization but not a good trade to help Sam Darnold well when you're trying to help your young quarterback like yeah, you need a corner, I guess. But then you also trade for <laughs> the, the guy. What's uh, what's the guy from? Uh, Why well, am I forgetting his name right now? Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. See, you you already. It's like what? You just traded for a corner. He got another one who's more expensive. It's better, I guess. But and they draft a corner in the first round, and they have another corner yeah. on their. They have a guy who's good. Yeah. Who's the other guy? The other corner they have. That's like twenty five years old. Um, it's uh, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson. He's a he's an impending free agent too. Dude, I like him. You ever see his interviews? He's really like well spoken. Yeah, he's like seems like a good leader, Is like he? a guy I'd want to play with. I know that's really good to hear because I know I think they had, I think they had hard knocks or it might have been it was all or nothing. I don't know if you've watched the the Amazon mm-hmm. all or nothing. I remember when he was a young player, he was like the players didn't really like him at first because he was like kind of 
free freelancing on defense, like mm-hmm. not doing his assignment. And then when they were trying to coach him up, he was like being kind of, you know, sassy with the coaches. So that's good to hear he's like matured because he's incredibly talented. Well, I, I'm, I got some people there and they say the way he welcomed CJ Henderson in was really impressive. And like the, that's cool. That, that he, he showed his leadership skills. He's like 25. I was like showing off like how good of a, yeah. a mentor he can be to young guys. And I, I think if he leaves Carolina, which I wouldn't blame him, they seem like they're happy to replace him. Another team's going to get a quality guy who can start and contribute, uh, not like at a Pro Bowl level, but like definitely at a level that like he can compete and, and, and be very positive for your locker room, which it sounds like he wasn't a couple years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a really talented player. I like him a lot. He's super fast. He's like genuinely one of the fastest people in the NFL. I think with Sam Darnold, it might just be a, a work ethic problem. I mean, at this point, I'm like, what, what's, well, why is it not connecting? I don't, I just don't, I, I, and we'll see how the, like, I guess it's, it's too early. We'll see how the year goes because it's, you're right, he hasn't got a ton of support. And you just want to see how the year goes? Is that kind of how you feel? I mean, <laughs> I, I've kind of, like you said, like, I don't really believe in it at this point. I think he's, He's probably going to be there again next year. They might bring in like, uh, I mean, we'll see how PJ Walker goes. I know you're you're probably a big PJ Walker. We both we both love the XFL. So, God, it was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun. Yeah. Um, well, who are they going to replace Sam Darnold with? By the way, Sam Darnold, like the, the draft is terrible. Like, I think you probably what you do is you you sign like a Mariota or a Dalton or something like that, and have him compete with Darnold next year. And then Darnold either shows up or he doesn't. And then I think Darnold, I mean, he's still young. He could enter like the backup stage of his career. And then maybe at 30 years old, he has a Ryan Fitzpatrick reemergence or something <laughs> like that. But I mean, I feel like that's the stage we're at where he's a, he's a fringe starter developmental piece. Well, he's out of chances. Like this is it for him. Is it him making boneheaded plays out of you know outside of the pocket? Like, what's your analysis of him? Just as a, a why is he failing? I've I actually haven't done any all twenty two on the Panthers yet off the top of my head. I think I've only done broadcast rewatching them. So I don't know if he's like passing up easy stuff, uh, not playing in structure. I, I don't know if I what where I stand on that, but it it is just the boneheaded mistakes. Um. When he's running around, he just he can't eat a play. It seems like he's got that Carson Wentz syndrome. <laughs> What's that's impressive about Mike White, the Jets, like I don't know, like fourth year player, whatever he is, like Mike White, the guy who came out of nowhere, is he just is so he understands defenses at such a high level. Sam doesn't seem to have that. He just isn't processing at a high. I'm like I don't I don't know why this isn't clicking for you, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, that's why you know going to the bench. He's clearly going to be in the league for a while. You drafted that high, you're viewed that high coming out, you're going to get plenty of opportunities. So he needs to basically put himself in a spot where he is just trying to soak up as much knowledge as he can. And next time, this is all assuming he completely flames out in Carolina, but if he gets another opportunity, does what Mike White did or Taylor Heineke and steps to the occasion and then builds off of that. But that's probably the future for him. Mm. Uh, two more questions. They're about the same thing, so I'll read them back to back. I don't think he's Blake Bortles, though. By the way, okay. No, I, well, Blake Bortles couldn't throw. the <laughs> I football. forgot about the original question. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Blake Bortles couldn't throw. Yeah, he couldn't accurately throw a football. I would kill to interview Blake Bortles. I want it so badly to like hear 
how he felt about his failure in the NFL. Yeah. yeah I'd love to know. I just, yeah, ahead. I mean, yeah, he just, that was his problem. His, his mechanics and his accuracy was just so bad. And then he compounded that with bad mistakes too. But no, he didn't have the, the talent that Darnold has, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, you're right. He's not Blake Bortles at all. And he, I don't think he's got sloppy mechanics. Like, it's not, it's not talent. It's not ability to throw the ball. It's, it's bad decision-making. It's the ball goes to the wrong spot, usually the defense, way yep. too often. It's just like, don't throw the ball there. What are you doing, dog? Like, that's, that's yep. not open. Um, so Dylan writes in. He says, what is the deal with the NFL officiating? The refs have been so inconsistent with what they call or don't call in games across the entire league. What are your thoughts about this? How does it get fixed? Uh, I and this guy possibly, uh, possibly. Thanks for reading Dylan. And then Connor writes in and says, these taunting calls are so dumb. I honestly don't understand why they don't want players showing emotion. If Aaron Donald gets a sack, he should have every right to stand over that quarterback and flex his muscles. What scares me about it is the MLB. The MLB is the same way, and I don't want the NFL to be this way. Do these penalties and new rules make you a little anxious as well? The Bears could have beat the Steelers, but I won't get into it because I'm sure you will. So I hate taunting. Although, you want to hear my theory? I, I, you might have heard this or not. I, ta- my theory on taunting is they saw what happened with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph and said, no way. We're not allowing guys to have but, you know, a potential racial slur was said, off the field problems. He said, she said, we're like, we don't want any of that. So guys can't talk to each other anymore. And then they, this pendulum swung not only a little bit, but then way too far where you can't even apparently look at the sideline, Cassius Marsh. I don't know what. It's, it's insane. I hate it. It's ruining football, in my opinion. But I, I get why it happened. I just think it's, it's gone way too far. Yeah, I guess I hadn't heard the connection to the Miles Garrett thing, but that would make so much sense. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially with the way just optics are and the way the world is right now. I totally see where we, how we got here, but... There's got to be a better answer than impacting the outcome of games over it. There's got to be a different yeah. penalty. That, if, if you have to do that, which you don't have to do that, but if you have to, it's suspend them next week. Or, well, that's extreme. Don't do that. But not a penalty where you're giving first downs to a team after they got a great defensive stop. Like, Penalize the player off the field for doing something you don't want him to do, but don't change the outback impact of games. I don't get, like, the NFL has embraced celebrating. <laughs> like, you score a touchdown, you can do whatever you want. Defenses can't do that, apparently. Like, I, I think it's entertaining. Like, football at its core, the NFL is in, it's entertainment. That's what it is. We watch because it's fun, it's interesting, we liked it. It's like a movie or a TV show. It's the best TV show on television. I want guys to dance and stuff. You get a sack, enjoy it that moment. I don't know why we like stifle that. It's very sad to me that like you can't, it, 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 we're just not allowing guys to sell, like to enjoy their little victories throughout a game. It's insane. What's weird to me is all these coaches like robotically defending it as if they're like being held at gunpoint. Like there's no way Mike Tomlin actually agrees with this rule. There's, you cannot convince me. Mike Tomlin's like the coolest coach in the league. But that goes back to Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett. That was his player. Like he's like, he, guess, if anyone gets it, it's I Mike Tomlin who had to deal player, with maybe. answering that question for weeks. I guess. I really, th- I really think there that's it. I think that's why that rule me. happened. I think it's how we got here. It's um, so. Did you watch the Bears Steelers game though? Because I, I said that felt like a high school football game where like the refs were small town refs from the hometown team. It felt like Friday Night Lights. I'm like, are they paid off? Do they owe the mafia money? What's going on? Because I've never seen 
such a one-sided game. Like Robert Quinn was offside, so a couple penalties made sense, but like the no calls, the calls that were made that were tacky, that was insane, right? The um, was there two non-roughing calls on fields? Yeah, yeah. He hit the head, got hit late. Yeah, the the roughing calls are just as bad right now. There's been so many, so many outcomes of games that are being changed by the subjective live like a live subjective opinion of one person to say he put too much of his body weight on the quarterback. It's just ridiculous. And it's, it's super frustrating. Um, or like there was one, I think, I think it was Kyler Murray where he literally didn't get, literally didn't get touched. Yeah. The guy's in his lap, but like pulls up and doesn't touch him. And they're like, throw up. I'm like, how is that a penalty? What, in what world? And then no one in the media can say anything about it. Like ESPN doesn't dare call the NFL for its terrible flags. I, I mean, they do it a little bit, but you can't, they can't actually go in or like theorize. Like I, I've never, ever bought into like games or rigs, but now I'm kind of like, are they, do they want closer games? Like what, what's happening here? Do they want fun finishes? Like it feels like there's something cause it's so subjective and the penalties, the flags being thrown are so bad. Yeah. I, I just think it's, I do think it's really hard on the refs. Like it's not, I don't necessarily think they're, like, doing it. I've never been a believer that, like, certain refs will throw a flag more for one team than another. Um, I I just think it's really – it is very difficult, and the things that they're asking them to do is very hard. I have, I have a solution for this, by the way. You give the refs a third-colored flag where they can throw it and say, I want to personally go and rewatch this play. That way, if they see something live and say, I don't know if he shifted his momentum on top of him or in the event of a pass interference, I don't know if he got there early. I don't know if the offensive guy pushed off or what. I just want to take a quick look at this replay. Give me 10 seconds to just see a quick replay, and then I'll make a decision. I actually think that'd be very helpful. I think it's even simpler. Well, I think just allow flags to be reviewed. Like, remember the XFL, how good they had the eye in the sky? New York would be like, hey, we're going to override that because that's wrong. Because I don't really care how you get there. I just want the right call made. No one cares about technicality. I don't care about challenges. None of that. You just can't have egregious bad calls ruining games. And if we, everyone on TV can see that's not a penalty, why can't New York just be like, that's not a penalty, override? It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, the, the only reason I didn't say that is because they tried that and then they butchered it. So I just assumed that was off the table. But yeah, like... The XFL nailed it though, didn't they? Yeah, with the transparency. It's like, ah. Because yeah. it was so inconsistent with the NFL when they did it. The coaches had no idea, like, what they could challenge for pass interference. Because something that was called the week before, they would then, it would be an identical play. And they'd say, no, that's not pass interference. And the coach was like, what the hell? Why did I challenge it? Like, there's no consistency with how it was being reviewed. So then they just stopped. Pass interference is the wrong thing to challenge, too. Like, that's because that's so close. And unless it's egregious, you can't say yes or no. I just think you should have, like, I, I don't think it needs to be, like, a coach challenging. It just needs to be New York being like, hey, we're watching this national televised game. That's roughing the passer. That, like, sorry, from New York, we just told you that's a flag. Like, they have, they could do that if they wanted to. Just have someone monitoring, like, literally watch on TV and be like, that's that's a flag. Like, it's not that hard, and we don't we don't do it. And I'm like, I don't, I, I, I just, yeah, it's broken. But the NFL's making money, so what do they care? I guess, right? Right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I I was curious where you stand on Dak Prescott. 
Um, like you mentioned earlier, he's got a great easier job than ever before. He got a ton of weapons. I also think he's just been better. Like they're like straight up third downs were always a problem. I'm like, he just wasn't as sharp. And I, I really think that, so there's, there's great power in watching another person run your offense. Like the notes you take, the different perspective where you're watching, like when you see Andy Dalton running the same offense you used to run and being like, Oh, I should do, if only Andy did this or only Andy did that. And I, I really think watching really helped him get better at the little details because he got a different perspective. Like he's never actually been able to sit and learn, like never really happened to him. And because he got thrown in immediately as a rookie. He's like watching film was one thing, but watching another person and getting another idea. It just, I think it really helped him. Honestly, I like sitting out for a year injured might've been one of the best things that could have ever happened to Dak. And yeah, he's got more help than ever before, but he's also just better at little details like third down and more accurate downfield. And I also love, like, I think you've probably seen, he built like a football field at his house. And you and I both work from home. Like, you know how much easier it is to, like, do work every day when you get up and your office is right there. And it's it's hard to ignore. Driving to the, an office or driving to a football field is different than you get up and you do footwork drills. That's how it is. And I just think he's incredibly committed. He made a, a big step forward. And I, I think having the year off, it, it, whatever you want to call it, injured, helped him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I it's interesting because I'm always slower to like react to pretty much anything in the NFL mm-hmm. to like jump to these big gaping conclusions. So like coming into the year, I was like, I don't know if I'd pay him 40 million. Like he's really good. He's kind of in that Kirk Cousins status of like, you don't want to lose him, but maybe it's best for you if you do long term. Like, I don't know. I was kind of more in that department than anything. But then he comes out, and he, I, I think you're right. I think he looks way more sharp. I think he's, like, doing more stuff out of structure, uh, making more plays for his team. Now he does have a ton of help, but I've been, like, deemed a Dak hater because I didn't come out after four weeks and say he's a top-five quarterback, which I still don't believe that. But <laughs> if if you don't say Dak's top-five now, Cowboys fans will come at you. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember there was a moment where I was I was like, all the quarterbacks that would take over Derek Carr I made that video or that topic. And I, I didn't say Derek Carr or I didn't say Dak. I didn't say I would take Dak over Derek Carr. I said they're tied right now because I just wasn't ready to commit to that. And the more I've seen it, I'm like, yeah, I'd take Dak over Derek. I just think that. Yeah. But I, I, I'm with you. I, I try to be like a, a glacial moving opinionator. Like I'm opinionator. Is that opinion maker? A question? I don't know. An opinionist? Oh, wow. There you go. There's a word. Um, (laughs) yeah. Opinionist. Uh, no, I just, I'm like, look, I'm not going to rush to a conclusion. I think it's right. But I think after what, nine weeks of football, you're like, Dak's fantastic. And I I think he's better than he's ever been in his career. And I actually, some, I would have never, I was so against paying him. No way. Don't pay him the money. Don't pay the money. You're going to cripple your franchise. No way, no way, no way. And I'm like, I get it. He's worth every penny, but he wasn't. Now he's earned it. That makes sense. Like he wasn't worth every penny last year or two years ago but he's earned it because he's better this year. Yeah. I think you and I are on the same page with Dak then. How about Kirk? It, it, does he, so I think his contract hurts him, but uh, so Mike Zimmer is probably out. I think they're, I think they're just, it's just not working. It's time. I, it sucks. I love yeah. Mike Zimmer. Like I think that when I watch him on film, like they do about every game, I'm like, I don't know how you stop that blitz. I feel like I say that every game. I'm like, that's an incredible scheme that I just don't know how you stop. He does that like all the time. But it's not working. They're not winning. And what's even weirder, though, is that they brought in Kirk Cousins. They gave him a massive contract, a bit, you know, $88 million guaranteed, three-year contract. And 
I think the expectation was Kirk was going to elevate them to put them in a Super Bowl conversation. It hasn't happened at all. And Kirk was good to start the year. I think he's really bad in primetime games. I think it's a lot of him in his head getting stressed out and I just overthinking stuff. And I don't, some people just don't handle pressure well. And that's, that's a real thing. And I think he doesn't. Do you think they keep him next year? Do uh, do they have to with his contract? Like, what's your stance on Kirk Cousins right now? Yeah, I I think he's played well enough that he's not going anywhere. I think his contract's like all guaranteed, so they have nothing to gain by um, putting him in there. And or sorry for for I I jumped the gun there because I was thinking about Kellen Mond, which is like the next. And I know you're a big Kellen Mond guy. Talking to some of the local guys here. I think he's a long way away, but we'll, we'll see on Kellen Mond. I don't think Kellen Mond's like nearly in a place where you're like, okay, Kirk's gone. Kellen Mond's starting next year. Let's see what we have. I think then maybe a year from now you get to that point. But for me, Kirk is, he'll be there next year because of the contract. Zimmer, someone's going to be very lucky to get him as a defensive coordinator. But I do think his, uh, his time in Minnesota is just, it's up. It's the game's kind of passed him by with his mentality because he just he wants to run the ball, he wants to play defense, and he can't really do that anymore. Do you think he can be a coordinator? Like, you know, I, I think when you have, pa- I could never go work for somebody else. I could, I, I, ha- I like my show. I do it my way. I say whatever I want. I wear dumb shirts. I don't, I don't give a, a I have, I don't give a flying fuck. I said it. Hey, I, um, I don't care. And, and I, I can't imagine relinquishing control to someone else. And how does Mike Zimmer go from a head coach to taking orders from a probably young offensive coordinator? That's a good, that's a good point. I think that he would, he would have to surrender obviously the control of the team. So that'd be tough. And maybe he just retires, but I look at like, Dan Quinn in Dallas, where like that is his defense. He has full control, full autonomy over everything. Um, he voiced what players he wanted. They delivered. They got him the players he wanted. He wanted Keanu Neal and Micah Parsons and stuff. If he could get a situation like that, where he's kind of an, under a CEO type of head coach, where he has his defense and it's his, I think he could, I would assume he'd be fine with that. But he also wouldn't want an offensive coordinator like telling him, or an offensive head coach telling him, you got to blitz here, you, you can't have this player, and all this stuff. Where could he go? Because I, so I think he might do it for the love of the game. Like he just doesn't want to be out of football. If he like is like, look, I, I okay, I can't be head coach. I'm deeply sad about it, but I, I still want to call. I love coverages. I love calling defenses. Maybe it's even a relief to not have to worry about the other crap and just be able to do defense. Like maybe, like you said, I mean, just to be able to be like, I do defense. That's my thing. Um, where, where will he go? I got an answer for you. How about, how about the 49ers? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That'd be pretty sweet. What about the bears? That'd be pretty sweet. I mean, they have Sean Desai. I don't know why they would, but depends. Yeah. depends. Like, yeah. If they went with like Dable and then be, yeah, it'd be the bears defensive mind and let Dable take the offense and play the Vikings twice a year. Yep. That'd be a great spot. I think a 49 that that actually so him with the 49ers would probably save Kyle Shannon's career. Straight up. Like Yeah. I mean he could have he could have an amazing oh my gosh. back end of his career. Dude, that well they both Shanahan. would benefit. I was sad they lost Sala, because I think Sala was a great coordinator. Yeah. 
yeah, they and their defense is falling apart this year. Yeah. That was terrible against the Cardinals. I don't know if you saw it. It was like 80% of uh, Colt McCoy's passing yardage were after the catch, which is just unbelievable. Who is their coordinator in San Francisco? I have no idea. It's uh, D'Amico Ryans, the old linebacker. And it working. No. No. <laughs> it ain't working. No. I, yeah, I, I don't think you fire. I, I hope they don't fire Kyle, Kyle Shanahan because I think a lot of the, the bad years he's had have been He's had not at a quarterback, like guys have been hurt. And I hope ownership sees it that way. Now, ownership is rash and might be impatient, might be tired of the excuses. I mean, like the numbers are insane. I see like he's got the same winning percentage as Chip Kelly right now. He's actually got a worse record as a head coach than Matt Nagy. And you're like, so, and he's only had five years. He's got one winning season. Now they went to a Super Bowl that year, but it is getting harder and harder like if you're building an argument, football wise is one thing we can watch film. I like what he's doing, but building an argument to defend Kyle Shanahan is really hard. So, I, man, I, I, that's my new dream scenarios. They hire Mike Zimmer. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But my one thing with Shanahan is, what is he doing that these guys keep getting hurt? Like, and I think there's actually an answer to that. Like, I actually saw Debo Samuel like on the sideline. Instead of just stepping out of bounds, like flat-footed, he buried his head and tried to truck the defensive back. He didn't gain any yardage from it. He just did it to truck the guy, and he got shoved out of bounds immediately. I, I think he has an overemphasis on like run after the catch and physicality that is leading to a lot of injuries, and it probably shows up in practice. And you, you do see like the Rams and some of these more modern-thinking teams like they have a very conscious effort to not take unnecessary hits. And the Rams are the healthiest team in the league. So that would be one thing with Shannon. It's like, you've got to get this team to stay healthy because it is officially a problem. Like this is in three straight years where the team has just been decimated. The 49 IRs. Have you heard that? No. What? The 49 IRs. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love that. Um, so Trey Lance, their rookie quarterback, I, just give him time. I, I don't like. I think he actually played before he should have. Um, you definitely mm-hmm. didn't draft Trey Lance because he was ready for the NFL. You drafted Trey Lance because someday, when his talent pans out, it'll be great. I, I, I think he's fine. Yeah. Do you do you kind of agree that Trey Lance is fine? All right, that's where I'm at. I think you just sit, let him sit the rest of the year, and it's not like he's going to step in and you're going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So. Yeah, give him time. Yeah. Such a raw like situation too, because he was he only played one year. He's super young, but he's so talented, man. Like, I don't love his mechanics, um, but I mean, I like I don't I don't love Matt Corral's either. Matt Corral's super accurate. So I'm like, well, who cares? Like, I don't know. I yeah, that's yeah. that's probably a big part of why he's not in because Jimmy's got these like super quick releases, and they love all these random screens and stuff that they run. And I think that. Uh, that Shanahan really wants uh, Lance to actually have like a quick release for those things. So we'll ma- hopefully you can speed up that release and get in there. My laptop's like dying. I don't know why. Mm. It's just, it's like plugged in. And then, here, let me try this. A little fun for the viewers behind the scenes. Uh-huh. You have anything uh, else you want to talk about? No, I think I love all the quarterback talk. That was, that was yeah. fun. Uh, well, we should go because I have 4% on my laptop and it's not charging. I have no idea why. <laughs> I've done everything I can. And it's just, it's like, it's like refusing to charge, which is fun. So, guys, 
I think yeah, that's our out. Let me see. Hold on. Hold that thought. Oh! Hey! Okay, now we can end. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Marcus, holy hell, that was so much fun. I lo- Like, I just, thank you for coming on. You're out of your free time. It's just fun to talk football with another human being. Yeah. I just, I love it so much. I really enjoyed it, man. We'll have, yeah. to, uh, we'll have to have you back on the other end soon. Yeah, have me on. I, we can do this now. It'd be great. It'd be really fun. And I yeah, got time. Absolutely. I'm like doing way better now. I, like, I was dying uh, when the year started. You probably were too, but I've hit yeah. a rhythm now. I'm like, ah, yeah. okay, I got free time. It's fun. Yeah, same here. Cool, man. All yeah, right. We'll do it soon. Well, I love you. Uh, ba-dum-bum-bam. We are done.